Welcome back to Womance's public access read-along. It is prejudice past pride at the top of the hour. Welcome back to our read-along of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. I am the odd chapter reader, Morgan. I am your even chapter reader, Isabeau. Uh, And this week you find us uh, at the oddly numbered chapter of nine. Nine, one of my favorite numbers. Feeling fine at nine. Discreetly divides into three equal groups of three. It does. I love that about nine. Nine is pretty cool. It's got some nice curves to it. Mm-hmm. It can also look like a backwards P, which is funny. P is a funny letter. Mm-hmm. So you've joined us just in time. But if this is actually the first time you're joining us. Weird, but cool. Or you hate the number eight, so you didn't listen to last week's episode. Because it's too curvy. It's too sexy. Then, Isabeau, could you please provide a brief recap? Indeed. In chapter eight, we see Caroline Bingley take off her gloves and start beating Eliza Bennett. <laughs> she describes her with her words. <laughs> Metaphorically. <laughs> Metaphorically. And she is trying to enlist Darcy in her campaign against Elizabeth. Because Elizabeth, of course, is still at Netherfield taking care of Jane, who is growing sicker rather than better, um, which is worrying. We learn that uh, Charlie Bingley is a good diplomat and thinks well of people in general and that everyone else in his party is kind of shitty, which is great for Elizabeth because that's how she originally pegged them. And then she had to like kind of reevaluate when they were being nice to Jane and then they were shitty again. And she's like, great. First impression, only impression. Uh, turns out fields aren't the only nethers Bingley is interested in. <laughs> That's a good one. It, have I not told it before? No, I that was, was so really scared good. I've already told it. No, that was perfect. That was really, <laughs> that was excellent. Well, expect it to come back again because there's a lot of short chapters <laughs> and a lot of opportunity for me to forget. Hopefully things are better in the morning for Lizzie, for our gal Lizzie. Chapter 9. Elizabeth passed the chief of the night in her sister's room, and in the morning had the pleasure of being able to send a tolerable answer to the inquiries, which she very early received from Mr. Bingley by a housemaid, and sometime afterwards from the two elegant ladies who waited on his sisters. Bonus ladies. In spite of this amendment, however, she requested to have a note sent to Longbourn, desiring her mother to visit Jane and form her own judgment of her situation. The note was immediately dispatched, and its contents as quickly complied with. Mrs. Bennet, accompanied by her two youngest girls, reached Netherfield soon after the family breakfast. Oh, no. Oh, no. Critical error. Had she found Jane in any apparent danger, Mrs. Bennet would have been very miserable. But being satisfied on seeing her that her illness was not alarming, she had no wish of her recovering immediately, and as her restoration to health would probably remove her from Netherfield. She would not listen, therefore, to her daughter's proposal of being carried home, and neither did the apothecary, who arrived about the same time, think it at all advisable. After sitting a little while with Jane on Miss Bingley's appearance and invitation, the mother and three daughters all attended her into the breakfast parlor. Bingley met them with hopes that Mrs. Bennet had not found Miss Bennet worse than she expected. 
Indeed I have, sir, was her answer. She's a great deal too ill to be moved. Mr. Jones says we must not think of moving her. We must trespass a little longer on your kindness. Removed, cried Bingley. It must not be thought of. My sister, I am sure, will not hear of her removal. You may depend upon it, madam, said Miss Bingley, with cold civility, that Miss Bennet shall receive every possible attention while she remains with us. Mrs. Bennet was profuse in her acknowledgments. I am sure, she added, if it was not for such good friends, I do not know what would become of her, for she is very ill indeed and suffers a vast deal, though with the greatest patience in the world, which is always the way with her, before she has, without exception, the sweetest temper I ever met with. I often tell my other girls they are nothing to her. <clears throat> you have a sweet room here, Mr. Bingley, and a charming prospect over that gravel walk. I do not know a place in the country that is equal to Netherfield. You will not think of quitting it in a hurry. I hope, though, that you have but a short lease. Whatever I do is done in a hurry, replied he, and therefore, if I should resolve to quit Netherfield, I should probably be off in five minutes. At present, however, I consider myself as quite fixed here. That is exactly what I should have supposed of you, said Elizabeth. You begin to comprehend me, do you? cried he, turning towards her. Oh, yes. I understand you perfectly. Whoa. I wish I might take this for a compliment, but to be so easily seen through, I'm afraid, is pitiful. That is as it happens. It does not necessarily follow that a deep, intricate character is more or less estimable than such a one as yours. Ugh, all this oldie talk. <laughs> Lizzie, cried her mother, remember where you are and do not run on in the wild manner that you are suffered to do at home. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very funny book. <laughs> I did not know before, continued Bingley immediately, that you were a studier of character. It must be an amusing study. Yes, but intimate characters are the most amusing. They have at least that advantage. The country, said Darcy, can in general supply but few subjects for such a study. In a country neighborhood, you move in a very confined and unvarying society. Thanks for the facts. <laughs> but people themselves alter so much that there is something new to be observed in them forever. Yes, indeed, cried Mrs. Bennet, offended by this manner of mentioning a country neighborhood. I assure you there is quite as much of that going on in the country as in town. <laughs> Everybody was surprised, and Darcy, after looking at her for a moment, turned silently away. Mrs. Bennet, who fancied she had gained a complete victory over him, continued her triumph. I cannot see that London has any great advantage over the country for my part except the shops and public places. The country is a vast deal pleasanter, is it not, Mr. Bingley? When I am in the country, he replied, I never wish to leave it. And when I am in town, it is pretty much the same. They, ha they each have their advantages, and I can be equally happy in either. Oh, to be Bingley. I know, just like genuinely happy to be alive. Aye, that is because you have the right disposition. But that gentleman, looking at Darcy, seemed to think that country was nothing at all. Indeed, Mamma, you are mistaken, said Elizabeth, blushing for her mother. You quite mistook Mr. Darcy. He only meant that there were not such a variety of people to be met with in the country as in town, which you must acknowledge to be true. Certainly, my dear. Nobody said there were, but... As to not meeting with many people in this neighborhood, I believe there are a few neighborhoods larger. I know we dine with four and twenty families. Nothing but concern for Elizabeth would enable Bingley to keep his countenance. 
His sister was less delicate and directed her eye toward Mr. Darcy with a very expressive smile. Elizabeth, for the sake of saying something that might turn her mother's thoughts, now asked her if Charlotte Lucas had been at Longbourn since her coming away. Yes, she called yesterday with her father. What an agreeable man Sir William is. Mr. Bigley is not he? So much the man of fashion, so genteel and so easy. He has always something to say to everybody. That is my idea of good breeding. And those persons who fancy themselves very important and never open their mouths quite mistake the matter. Did Charlotte dine with you? No, she would go home. I fancy she was wanted about the mince pies. For my part, Mr. Bingley, I always keep servants that can do their own work. My daughters are brought up differently. But everybody is to judge for themselves, and for the Lucases are very good sort of girls. I assure you, it is a pity they are not handsome. Not that I think Charlotte is so very plain, but she is our particular friend. She seems a very pleasant young woman said Bingley. Oh, dear, yes, but you must own she is very plain. Lady Lucas herself has often said so, and envied me Jane's beauty. I do not like to boast of my own child, but to be sure, Jane, one does not often see anybody better looking. It is what everybody says. I do not trust my own partiality. When she was only fifteen, there was a gentleman at my brother Gardner's in the town so much in love with her that my sister-in-law was sure he would make her an offer before we came away, but, however, he did not. Perhaps he thought her too young. However, he wrote some verses on her, and very pretty they were. And so ended his affection, said Elizabeth impatiently. There has been many a one, I fancy, overcome in the same way. I wonder who first discovered the efficacy of poetry in driving away love. <laughs> I have been used to consider poetry as the food of love, said Darcy. Of a fine, stout, healthy love it may. Everything, it nourish everything nourishes what is strong already. But if it be only a slight, thin sort of inclination, I am convinced that one good sonnet will starve it entirely away. Darcy only smiled, and the general pause which ensued made Elizabeth tremble lest her mother should be exposing herself again. She longed to speak, but could think of nothing to say, and after a short silence, Mrs. Bennet began repeating her thanks to Mr. Bingley for his kindness to Jane, with an apology for troubling him also with Lizzie. Mr. Bingley was unaffectedly civil in his answer, and forced his younger sister to be civil also, and say, that, say what the occasion required. She performed her part indeed without much graciousness, but Mrs. Bennet was satisfied and soon afterwards ordered her carriage. Upon this signal, the youngest of her daughters put herself forward. The two girls had been whispering to each other during the whole visit, and the result of it was that the youngest should tax Mr. Bingley with having promised on his first coming into the country to give a ball at Netherfield. Lydia was a stout, well-grown girl of fifteen, with a fine complexion and good-humored countenance, a favorite with her mother whose affection had brought her into public at an early age. She had high animal spirits and a sort of natural self-consequence, with attentions of the officers, to whom her uncle's good dinners and her own easy manners recommended her, had increased into assurance. She was very equal, therefore, to address Mr. Bingley on the subject of the ball, and abruptly reminded him of his promise, adding that it would be the most shameful thing in the world if he did not keep it. His answer to this sudden attack was delightful to their mother's ear. I am perfectly ready, I assure you, to keep my engagement, and when your sister is recovered, you shall, if you please, name the very day of the ball. But you would not wish to be dancing while she is ill. 
Lydia declared herself satisfied. Oh, yes, it would be much better to wait till Jane was well, and by that time most likely Captain Carter would be at Meryton again. And when you have given your ball, she added, I shall insist on their giving one also. I shall tell Colonel Forster. It would be quite a shame if he does not. Mrs. Bennet and her daughters then departed, and Elizabeth returned instantly to Jane, leaving her own and her relations' behaviors to the remarks of the two ladies and Mr. Darcy, the latter of whom, however, could not be prevailed upon to join in the censure of her, in spite of all Miss Bingley's witticisms on fine eyes. <laughs> oh, no! My heart breaks. <laughs> for Mrs. Bennett? Well, for, no, for Lizzie, for having to be in that position. Yeah. You're really worried about your sister. And mm -hmm. so you kind of make a miscalculated, you kind of overreact and invite your mom up. And then your mom does the worst possible thing in that situation, right? Yeah. Which is probably what Lizzie had negotiated, like, it will be worth it if she does the worst possible thing if Jane is okay. But now that Jane's okay, you're left with this burden of having to deal with your mother and your two youngest sisters in this situation. Mm -hmm. It was just so difficult. But the cleverness of this writing, the brilliance of this writing is that even in this like tumult, I am so like touched by Darcy's repartee with her. Mm-hmm. Like, he just wants to talk to her. Mm -hmm. And his little interjections are like little pops. Mm -hmm. I wonder if I felt that way when I first read it. I don't think I felt this way, that way about this scene, but it's so clear. And it's so clear that, like, Lizzie really appreciates his interjections and their tete-a-tete. Because, like, she'd like says, to be thinking about anything else. <laughs> she'd like to be thinking about anything else. But she also, like... It's sad that she doesn't have like a, a witty comeback after his last line when he like smiles. Like she and, clearly got like a little flutter from being witty the last time. Exactly. And like her mom, like Darcy does say this thing and I like your point from the last chapter is well taken that like maybe it's his delivery of the facts that just fucking sucks and not the facts themselves because when he says like there aren't that many people in the country like that's factually accurate and then you know mrs bennett is like i'm sorry we dine with four and 20 families of great you know difference and lizzie's like listen london's way bigger you have to acknowledge it <laughs> like you know like he wasn't trying to insult you you took offense you are now being insulting but mrs bennett all her hackles are up with Darcy mm -hmm. because she wants to protect Lizzie. Yeah. And his manner is just like not very fun. You know, he's like not inviting. He's no Charlie Bingley. He's no Sir Lucas. Like he's not. He's an acquired taste. It's just an interpersonal stew. It speaks so much to how well written this is that an objectively inoffensive quote can be read by both the audience 
and misread by a character as offensive. Mm -hmm. Like it's neutral on its own. And yet you and I can be like, oh, bad delivery. And, you know, it got Mrs. Bennett's heckles up. Yeah, she was ready to fight. She was ready to fight for Lizzie. I wish like if she had, I cannot. She brought Kitty and Lydia. Oh, God, I know. It's like, why would you bring kittens into like the lion's den? And Caroline is like working on a different level of the mean arts as Caroline put it in the last chapter which I thought was like a really beautiful thing to say like the things that women do to each other to capture men is cruel and and mean Mm -hmm. and it's like she has no ability to see that for herself and herself which is its own kind of dullness Right. But I, I want to talk about Caroline a little bit because you, when we were reading Bingley being very charming, it was like, oh, to be Bingley, to be so happy. But we know that he's happy because he's male. Yeah. And he can spend his family fortune. And in the last chapter, Caroline was like, when you buy a house, when you buy a house, because she really needs her brother to buy a house so that she has some form of security. So I think like she is not unlike Mrs. Bennett talking about like dualities Mm -hmm. and the fact that they are both kind of desperately trying to maneuver. And I think she is trying to marry Darcy. She is, absolutely. For the sake of her own security, you know. And it's amazing that this book is pointing out all the ways in which women embarrass themselves to as a means of survival. And then we all just laugh at it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that's what's been hard for me about this reading of Mrs. Bennett. And now I'll probably fixate on Caroline as well. Yeah, I think there's something tragic in Caroline that is made cold. And the same tragedy in Mrs. Bennett is not made cold. It's made silly. Mm. Yeah, there's something really threatening about Caroline. Whereas like Mrs. Bennett, you kind of have to forgive her. Yeah. It's like a splash versus a sharp. Yes. Yes, yes, that is a great analogy. Like, Mrs. Bennett is not honed. She's just, like... (laughs) She's, like, a force of nature in itself, but, like, yeah, Caroline cuts. I think both of these women are ultimately embarrassed by the text, are mortified by it. Mm -hmm. Which sucks, because I want to be like, no, like, you see? You see how they got here? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bingley is allowed to be carefree. He is allowed to be simple. He is allowed to be diplomatic. Caroline isn't allowed those comforts because she has to figure out where her next meal is coming from. And she's better positioned. She's got a better dowry than Jane or Elizabeth, certainly. She's more, she has more material resources at her disposal to capture a better marriage prospect, but she still needs one. Also going like a couple chapters back when we get the lay of the land when it comes to Mrs. Bennett that like her sister married her father's law clerk and Mm -hmm. thus had that security. Her other sister married like, or her brother was a man of trade in London. And so he had that kind of own, his own like self mobility. But Mrs. Bennett is like in the same situation she was in with her two sisters, but now literally doubled Mm -hmm. (laughs) and in a way worse financial situation. Mm-hmm. it's impossible to be like your most competent your most careful your most thought it's impossible to be your best self under stress and it's interesting to see the two 
Caroline and Mrs. Bennet are both bad versions of who they probably really are because they're both under stress for the same reasons. And I bet it doesn't feel that different to Caroline than how Mrs. Bennet feels. Yeah, with that, loosen your prejudices. Against Mrs. Bennet and Caroline. <laughs> Specifically. <laughs> and Mrs. Bennet, Bennet and Miss Caroline, hold on to your pride. <laughs> It might be what sees you through. <laughs> <laughs> Mwah. Mwah.